0: Hello, my name is Ed Newt. Welcome to the Office of the Society of Christian Schools in beautiful British Columbia.
1: Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is another big boss episode of the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are stirred. To have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the bosses' places and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time at Beacon Christian School in Saint Catharines, Ontario, with Lisa Vanderkuyt. As we learned, Lisa's sisters—so Lisa's sister befriended Sting. We had to get that detail uh, cleared up. And what happened when she befriended Sting, they ended up with backstage passes to the Amnesty International. So if you want to hear about that, go listen. We also learned through a new game, AI or A+. Sometimes you can tell the difference between Chat GPT and an actual poet, and sometimes you can't. We learned that you can worship in Harriet Tubman's church in St. Catharines, the British Methodist Episcopal. Is that right, Justin? Episcopal? You got it. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> Whew church salem uh, chapel on geneva street uh we also learned and this brought up memories for all of us uh, the canada fitness award program uh the flexed arm hang was was something that was scarring to canadian children including lisa darren and apparently gord downey from the tragically hip Uh, we learned that god has a calling for all of us and lisa is committed to finding that with students for whom school is really hard and we learned that Lisa has a vision for schools to group students in many ways beyond just by age. And overall, it was an absolute pleasure visiting Lisa. So go listen. Tell other educators to listen as well. But today, as we heard up the top, we're in British Columbia. And I'm referring to us as a band. Okay, So we're a British Columbian band. I'm not even going to ask Ed, because I'm from British Columbia. So unless Ed, unless I'm wrong, I think it's British Columbian, right?
0: British Columbian, yes, absolutely.
1: British Columbian Band. So to get to know our BC band, we're going to start our podcast off with a name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. I Just Needed to See Garth. Darren Speaksma. Hey, band. Hey. Hey, Darren. 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 Prompt for today. What is something you have donated?
2: What is something I have donated? I, I, I wish His I hair. could say like a kidney oh. or something like that. Uh-huh. I'm just ignoring those other comments because I was trying to be serious <laughs> you could have held here.
1: On. You could have held on to that one for me, Justin, but I appreciate it. I appreciate um, it.
2: Twice a year, I donate a yard of soil to the gathering market in, here in Abbotsford. So, the Gathering Market is a not-for-profit grocery store. Um, shameless, pug, plug, shameless, pug, shameless plug, plug, shameless plug, shameless plug. You should uh, go um, back
1: and listen to the summer episode, a few episodes <laughs> for uh, more dog puns. Go ahead. Oh, sir.
3: nice, nice. <laughs> All
2: right. Anyway, I donate dirt to the Gathering Market, <laughs> and uh, it's a not-for-profit grocery store built around meal kits, and it's a pretty neat. It's a pretty neat dynamic where where families who are strapped can come in and for $5 feed a family of four, they get the meal kit, which is a healthy meal. They choose their protein, they choose their, their veggies. And it's just a little different. It's got a different vibe than, um, and not that food banks are bad because they're important in our communities, but it's Mm. just a different vibe than here's the bag of food that you get. Um, So there's just a lot of dignity and choice. So we love that. And they do two planting evenings because they're about food security. So, um, a bunch of greenhouses donate herbs and vegetables. And then we, I lead a planting Saturday morning where all the families come in with pots and we plant up food and they take it home and um, grow some of their own food. And that's part of our, our rhythm now. So I donate a yard of dirt or two every spring.
1: Very cool. I, I was at first imagining you actually donating dirt from your yard, but
3: uh, no, I you've- buy the dirt.
1: Yeah, yeah, you've committed to a uh, a non-yard yard. yard. (laughs) I suppose I have um, committed taking the
2: dirt that would be your yard from a to a non-yard yard. yard. Yes, I have.
3: How long do you guys think Jeremy was planning that joke as you were talking? (laughs) Hey, hey, the
1: best ones in the moment. Uh, Beautiful. From Advance, you heard him already in Eastern Canada. We have a guy who's too old for the infamous bedlam of the boots and hearts country music scene justin cook
3: hey canada oh canada Canada. that was my boots and hearts hey canada did it sound oh we should have done a little more yeah yeah nice justin uh what's something you've donated yeah, well, this also uh, is a stressful question. I think maybe that's a sign of my uh, my generousness, uh, my generosity. I should be uh, giving more, probably. So, we're I am glad we're not competing on our uh, our tithing amounts, guys. That yes, but uh, we could no. Yeah. Well, so I am going kind of a bit unique here, I guess. But um, I take kind of pride. I don't. This is, seems a bit odd to me, but I take some pride in the fact that my oldest daughter, who's in grade twelve has like sequestered a few articles of clothing from my closet. Mm -hmm. And so I have quite happily like (laughs) Mm -hmm. donated them. You know, it's like, it's a lot more fun when (laughs) she wears that sweater than when I do. So yeah. Anyway, I've, I've donated a few articles of clothing uh, to the daughter who stole them in the first place. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it.
1: I would feel pumped as well. My daughters have yet to ask for any of my clothing. Um so I I'm not sure how to take that. Um but they have they're fine with uh you know their mother's clothing, but yeah no <laughs> that's not
3: happening. So I think it's good styled, Justin. You know, I just hope she doesn't, well, I know she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I don't have to worry about this breaking breaking the magic here. But uh, yeah, don't tell her, those of you, the five of you in Hamilton who listen to the podcast, oh, yeah. don't, don't tell her. Awesome.
1: Today, we are humbled just to be graced by the presence of an actual <laughs> outgoing executive director, or some would say actually around the office, the boss, which I hear Ed just loves to hear. Uh, The boss of (laughs) SCSBC, Ed Newt.
0: Hey, Jeremy.
1: Hey, Ed. So you... Darren is saying you make everyone call you the boss. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's quite irritating actually, uh, which is why they call me the boss. And yeah, I'm not smart enough to stop reacting to it. So, uh, so I'm retiring instead. It was one one or the other.
1: Very nice. Uh, Ed, we, we come up with these random questions uh, often prompted by our guests, maybe sharing a little bit about themselves and so uh uh justin to follow up you know you donating some clothing i think uh this one is probably going to put i know i have to follow ed but ed can you tell us something you've donated
0: yeah probably the most uh, significant donation i've had the opportunity to make in my lifetime is i donated bone marrow
2: can you so that's like ed, right right up there with dirt <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell my uh, i'll tell my recipient that you said that
1: <laughs> make sure you're getting oh. and Is that a one-time uh one-time thing then and yeah it, what kind of uh like yeah like what does that look like in terms of is that a full day thing is it a like yeah tell me a little yeah bit more about
0: so that. um i donated uh through the red cross anonymously i signed up to be a donor uh, it's a non-related match. So the odds, I, I think the odds are like 750,000 to one that you would, hmm. you would actually match Whoa. someone and, uh, got a call that, uh, I was a match for, uh, someone who had leukemia and was uh, not doing very well and, and really needed this transplant. This was all the way back in 92. And, um, so I was in the hospital for, uh, a day and a half. they, they took marrow out of my pelvis, so just right above my butt, into into the pelvis, and and took out about a liter of oh. um, bone marrow and uh, and blood. Sound good. Uh, and uh, they could they could get it all out of. I'm a fairly big guy, and they could get <laughs> it out of my pelvis, so that was good. Otherwise, they would have had to go into my sternum. Uh, but it was very it was very mild. I people think there's a perception out there that it's very painful. It wasn't. Uh, I often tell people I, I felt worse after a rough hockey game than I did after mm-hmm. uh, after donating bone marrow. Um, yeah, and then they shipped it off uh, to Milwaukee. Uh, my recipient uh, lives in Maine, actually, Bangor, Maine. And uh, she had the transplant in Milwaukee. And so they, they had three flights booked and my, my marrow went there and got to her. And uh, yeah, they, they infuse it into her body and then... It, the doctor says the marrow sort of sits in uh, in her the big bones of her body and basically has to sit there and say, "Is this Ed Newt?" And if the match is close enough, you can basically fool the marrow into saying, "Oh yeah, this is Ed," and then it starts producing uh, more marrow for her and mm-hmm. uh, and red blood cells.
3: Yeah. Wow. What prompted you Ed to to look into this or yeah what? How yeah. did you get prompted to 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 donate?
0: Yeah, I'm a regular blood donor so that's something I do uh, fairly faithfully and I was donating blood and picked up a brochure on bone marrow mm-hmm. donation and thought, you know what I could do this and I signed up thinking this will never happen. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was I think it was about 3 or 4 years after I signed up that I had the chance to uh, donate. Uh, I sent a letter with my marrow. They the doctor said the 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 trans um, transfusion is is often uh, quite anticlimactic, uh, for the recipient. So, uh, we corresponded anonymously through the Red Cross for a year, and then we shared our information and, uh, Mm. she's come and visit her and her husband have come and visited us in British Columbia. And my wife and I have been down to Maine to see where she lives and meet her family. So it's been an amazing relationship for over 30 years now.
2: That is amazing. I'm glad I'm mm-hmm. not going after you. Just put that out there. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What a great you doing,
3: Jeremy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Uh, yeah, so I knew like when Ed said that he had donated blood or bone marrow, I was like, okay, well, I might as well, you know, show the, the my my uh, lack of ability to donate in this world, especially. I I I gave blood a few times in <laughs> university. Uh, Got some juice, laid down, uh, never loved the process, but I was was okay. Um, felt compelled uh, you know, to do it as a, as a college student. But uh, about 10 years ago, my wife and I were re-upping life insurance and a nurse got sent to our home. And so I came home after work and uh, I was not donating my blood at this point, but uh, she just needed to take my blood for uh, the, the insurance policy and checking all our health. Anyway, I told my wife, I said, I'm already feeling a little lightheaded. Uh, I'm not sure this is a wise time, but uh, I think we maybe grabbed a couple things. I'm not sure. Lady says, just, you know, just sit, sit down. You'll be fine. Uh, anyway, long story short, I ended up uh, fainting, collapsing on the floor <laughs> oh. and could not get up. The ambulance had to come take me uh, into the hospital because I could not get away from being totally uh, dizzy and losing the. Uh, conscious every time I tried to get up again. And so a uh, little gun shy when it comes to uh, a giving, Al- although I know if I lay down, I'd be fine. Uh, so Ed, you've inspired a whole nother level of, of commitment to this um, rough hockey game. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> I, um doesn't sound too bad, I guess, no. but it was a, yeah. it's a little bit of a tragic experience in my life right now. And I've, it's, to get back on the horse would be, Yeah. So, Jeremy,
0: Jeremy, it begs a question: uh, Did you qualify for the life insurance policy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know
1: it was. uh, (laughs) We we actually apparently I survived, (laughs) uh, and we uh, were allowed to uh, to get life insurance. But it it looked a little sketchy there for a little bit.
2: (laughs) I do love. (laughs) Oh yeah, I just do love that a bad life insurance situation is enough to say it keeps me from giving. Just in general, <laughs> right?
3: Like it is, I gave right. in this one area, it didn't go well, I'm done
0: giving. I'm done. Uh, yeah.
3: uh, I was going to um, say, they both stayed a day and a half in the hospital just for different <laughs> reasons. <laughs>
1: Hey, me and the ambulance driver have continued to uh, pass letters back and forth. Uh, we've actually developed a beautiful relationship. Uh, so. That's because anyway. he's there every other week.
0: Uh, hey now, hey
1: now. I, my wife our- is the nurse in the family. She deals with anything blood, and uh, we survive that way. So. All
2: right. For the second half of our opening square, let's get going.
1: Uh, yeah, we have a variety of segments, but guess what? Ed has chosen game again. Ed, can I get a
0: drum roll, please, though? Did you hear that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dang, sure I did. didn't hear a thing. I practiced, <laughs> even. I gave you the best drum roll on my, on my desk. I thought All right. for sure game. you'd be able to hear it. Yeah, game. Game. <laughs> game.
1: <laughs> All right. We are going to get into a game. But truth be told, Ed had actually first chosen a segment uh, that was a lame segment like literally he he wanted to do a segment uh rhyming with you know game aim frame but instead call it lame so ed maybe first of all like shame was one of our options maybe first of all touch on why you wanted to do lame instead of shame you had some yeah
0: well i don't know how deep it is lame uh, lame is similar to the shame segment like it would have been uh let's tell embarrassing educator stories of which Mm -hmm. we all have way too many Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still emotionally scarred by hearing some of Darren's uh, shame stories, <laughs> but uh, in this podcast. But uh, I thought shame uh, shame is something um, we're probably too complicit mm-hmm. in invoking shame in students in Christian schools, and uh, I would like us to find uh, a more excellent way of dealing with our uh, our students. And uh, so I thought lame might be a better choice uh, for yeah. every square centimeter podcast than shame. Uh-huh.
2: I
3: love sounds that. Like, buddy. Sounds like, no, I, I think he it wants to name it Blame. It's like <laughs> pointing the finger <laughs> at you, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 a blame no. no. Blame no, segment now. Blame segment. I blame
2: Darren. Well, I'm used to that. I just visited an Nanaimo <laughs> Christian school and they something was going wrong, and one of them looked at me and is like, yeah, we blame you for that. And it's like, <laughs> I haven't been here for eight years.
1: <laughs> well, uh, to follow up on that, Ed, uh, and maybe to erase the memory of Darren trying to lift chairs and uh, <laughs> <laughs> letting go of a certain,
0: oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Maybe yes. You
1: do, do you have a story that you were thinking when you said lame? Oh,
0: oh yeah. Uh, well, probably one of my um, one of my worst moments as a teacher, first year teacher in Vancouver, uh, the year of Expo Expo eighty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sky Train was brand new and very exciting in Vancouver. Right, this new. Uh, way to get around the city. So very bravely, I thought for my first field trip, we'd take uh, we'd take the SkyTrain. Mm. And I taught grade seven. I think I only had eighteen students. I figure I can certainly shepherd eighteen kids around. And um, I gave them very very clear instructions. Uh, the SkyTrain stops. The door opens. Uh, on we go. Uh, the doors close. I turn around. And there's uh, one of my students, Mike, standing on the platform looking at me with a look of horror, <laughs> horror on his face. And I my, I felt, I mean, I should have felt bad for Mike. I'm going to confess. My first thought was, oh, no, they're going to fire me. Like, there is no <laughs> way. I just lost my job because I left a student in the SkyTrain station. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we had some parents along. I was yelling at Mike to stay right where he was. I got off at the next <laughs> SkyTrain station and zipped back and collected him And uh, I kept my job. So, um, nice. yeah.
1: <laughs> now was Mike a Mike or was he a Mikey? Cause he was Mikey, a Mike. He it, was a Mike. Okay. Yeah. Brings about a different type of student. Like was, so I was curious if it was a, it was that type of student, but yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try, um, a, a game that is, uh, I hope not lame, but most of my games <laughs> do probably end up in the lame category and we, we are, we get humored by them. But, uh, we're going to try a game um, that actually celebrates uh, and honors uh, someone important in Ed's life, and and Ed, uh, we're going to get into the topic later on around kind of reflecting back on on your career or Christian education. Uh, and I've been to a couple of sessions recently where you've you've uh, done some of that reflection, and you've often or you've started off by mentioning. Uh, your mother and uh, kind of honoring who she was in your life. And I know she has had passed away in the last uh, few months here. Um, Maybe you just want to talk a little bit about her and, and maybe I'll try to. Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah. My mom was very, uh, a very special person, Um, lived to the ripe old age of 102, uh, which is amazing. Uh, Born in 1920. Yeah. You know, she was not a person of great power or a she didn't have influence, influential positions in her life, uh, didn't even have her driver's license, as a matter of fact, for, for her whole life. Uh, but yet she really modeled what it means to be a faithful presence and I think had a profound impact mm-hmm. on anyone uh, who knew her. Um, she was positive, encouraging and thankful. She had very strong convictions and beliefs uh, and coupled that with a really, really big heart. Which means that uh, I saw her embody uh, grace and truth in really, really beautiful ways, and uh, lived, I think, a posture of generosity and hospitality. Um, and yeah, was a very beautiful person, very, very, uh, very inspiring for me. I, I, yeah, when I grow up, I hope I could be like my mom. <laughs> mm.
1: Cool. I, uh, I love, uh, and I will, I will say that uh, those generosity and hospitality. Those words aren't words that um, I think she has just talked to you about. Oh. I, I see them embodied in you yeah. as well, Ed. So oh. uh, mm. um, I appreciate uh, uh, you for for sharing that with us. And and when I've heard that, I thought, hey, like 102, that like so let's do you know do some math. You said 1920. Yes, uh, that's that's a long time. And so I thought, hey. What are some of the you know trivia around 1920? So I thought we'd do some kind of trivia game with 1920, and then combine it because we want to make this, of course, overly complicated uh, for the listener. And so combine it with Ed's love of golf. So Ed also is a is a lover of golf, and literally on our Zoom call right now, his background is is a golf uh, course. Uh, Ed, which golf course are we sitting? uh this of? is
0: uh, Coal Creek in uh, Tofield, Alberta. There
1: we okay. Yes. All right. Yes. A little, uh, Honoring of Alberta here. Yeah. Good yeah. To see. Um, so uh, what we'll do is that uh, basically a, a, a par is three guesses. Okay. You guys are a team. Um, you get one guess each. Each guess is counted as a stroke. Where if you get it on the third guess, it's a par. If you don't get it by the third guess, you're going over par. It's a bogey ooh, e, double. But whatever. Ooh, but ooh, you, you know, at that ouch. point, I'll, I'll probably just give you the answer. <laughs> uh, pretty stressful. Uh, I can see uh justin's quite stressed about this so i hope you guys know your 1920s facts um and maybe i will i'll i'll throw out and ed you can choose i got some categories and maybe you can choose which okay so maybe that'll because i got way too many here darren will cut me off if i use all these ones here so um uh, olympics um mass media or movies
0: Give me a category. Let's go with movies. Knowing this crowd, I'm going to go with movies. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. So a couple movies uh, from 1920. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay. Was one of the the movies, 1920. Um, But there was also a movie that was called The Blank of Zorro. Okay. The Blank of Zorro. And I'm going to look for... A guess as to what that could be, and we've decided as a group that we'll just wave whoever thinks they got you know kind of first up. Who's driving this? Oh, both Ed and Darren are stepping yeah. up to the tee box. Only one of you can take the drive.
0: So Ed, we'll Ed, go to you I've, as the I've boss. I've golfed yeah. with
2: Ed. Ed gets the drive. Okay,
0: he goes first. Okay, Ed, what okay. do you think? I'm going with uh, the mask of Zorro
1: Okay, so that's what I assumed would have been the answer, oh. but it is not. Okay. So now, Darren, were you going in the same direction? Yes. Okay. So I will tell you this. It is very close to mask. It's one letter Ooh. off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Darren and Justin, it's the yes. blank of Zorro, and it's not the mask. There is a time limit in golf. If you take too long, next Group I don't
2: to
0: think start there is a into. time. I've golfed. There is no oh, time
1: yeah. limit That
0: Marshall starts moving. No pitch, no moving pitch along. count in golf?
1: That Marshall starts moving you along. Justin, what do you got? I got the mark. The Mark mark of of Zorro Zorro. is correct. Yay! Yay. For team Ed, Justin, and Darren. Chipped in Uh, from the
3: fringe.
1: Nice. (laughs) Nice work. Uh, Just so you know, the genre-defining swashbuckler adventure was the first movie version of The Mark of Zorro. Uh, Anyone know what, just as a bonus point here, swashbuckler? Do you know what that is? Uh, someone who has pirate-y. a
0: sword, yeah, it's go yeah. like it's got to involve swords swinging around.
1: Yeah, yeah. so you, I'm glad I didn't pose this as a, as a whole or a question. <laughs> uh, it's a genre of European adventure literature that focuses on a heroic protagonist, stock character who's skilled in swordsmanship, Ed. So you kind oh, yeah. of hit oh, on yeah. acrobatics, it, guile, it. chivalrous ideals, okay? Mm. Swashbuckler is kind of heroic and daring and usually rescues the damsel in distress is the swashbuckler. Mm. All right, next next hole. So um,
0: what's our score on that one? That was that was a birdie. That was a birdie. That's a birdie. Oh, yeah, minus, all the way.
1: Yeah, minus one birdie. Yeah, nice I'm entering
0: work. into the I'm entering it into the Golf Canada app as we speak. So, yep. uh, okay. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah.
1: This is, a, this is a very difficult course, Ed, so it should look good on your <laughs> – okay. All right, I'll give you uh, two on this one. Either uh, – actually, no, I'm just going to give you this one. I'm not giving you choices on this one. Okay. Just going with the question how much money would a pack of wrigley's double mint gum cost in 1920 okay so a a a pack of wrigley's double mint gum in 1920 and i will say higher or lower based on your first guess well that's the the hint i'll give uh who's up first? Stepping up to the tee. Justin
0: chipped it in. I am well, hoping he's going to go here. He's no, has up a hot Darren. hand. Darren, 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 Darren is very good at guessing.
1: 2 cents. Darren is very good at guessing numbers okay. when it okay. comes to cost of things. Uh, dinosaur heads. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he was very good.
3: Unbelievable. Uh, uh, Unbelievable. purchased many accurate. of them clearly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am going with 2 cents.
3: Yeah, I cents? like it.
1: Okay, it's more than two cents. Ooh. more than two cents. I Justin know.
0: I'm, I'm thinking Ed. that, Darren, but I'm I'm thinking it might. Okay, I'll go out on a limb and say five. Sounds high to Ed me. That is but.
1: going with five cents. That is correct. That's your second birdie. We are minus two after two holes. Well done. Right, my handicap is coming down.
0: Yes, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Uh, this again, just a quick bonus question. No hole involved in you. Can you give me one of the top 10 baby names of, uh, 1920 for males or females? <laughs> uh, just give me a guess. If you guys can just one of you. Harold. Harold. No, I should have made this a hole actually. So, no,
3: Harold. <laughs> Richard. Give me
1: another one. What's that, Darren? Ooh, Richard. Like that. Richard is one of them. Nice work. Ooh, o- uh, Olivia. Oh, uh,
0: no, Olivia.
1: Oh. Uh, Edward is one of the uh, Mm. top names of the Are you kidding? How did I miss that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Women's were Mary, Dorothy, Helen, Margaret. Oh, did you say? No, Olivia. Uh, Ruth, Mildred, Virginia, Elizabeth, Francis, and Anna. And uh, the guys were Richard, Frank, Edward, Joseph, George, Charles, James, Robert, William, and John. I'm waiting for Mildred to come back. All right. Hmm. Next hole. Again, I will give you higher or lower. What was the U.S. life expectancy? For, and I'll take the average of males and females. Okay. So I'm rounding here. The life expectancy in 1920. Whew. Someone's just got to throw a number to get us going, I think. This
0: would be a truly a hole in one. First, I mean, the First World War would have had a, a, an impact on that. Um, mm. Okay. Right. We're coming just off the First World War. Um, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll jump out on a limb and go 55 uh, lower. Um,
1: but i'm not I, i'm gonna say it is uh you're in the range like this is not far off oh
2: 52
0: De- that's uh, higher going.
1: okay so we got between 52 and 55 oh, justin
0: justin we've got car. two numbers <laughs> this is <her> 50, 50 <laughs> to my handi- my handicap's riding on your guess here but <laughs> come on Justin <laughs> 53.
3: Males,
1: <laughs> males, 53.6. Females, 40, 54.6. So I would say 54 yeah, something. Oh, okay, so, so I got a
0: bogey. Bogey, mm.
1: minus one. Ouch. And we're on to our last question. Okay. Darren, are we okay? One more, Darren? Are we sure. timekeeper, Marshall? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want to know about um, something that was established in Canada? Do you want to know about an invention? Or do you want to know about tuition at stanford (laughs) ed what category
0: (laughs) are we going let's go with uh, canada i'm hoping that yeah (laughs) yeah
1: okay so uh what force was established in 1920 in canada okay a certain force so capital f
2: like World War I, Canada didn't go to war because there were still – it was World War Two, so there's –
1: Okay, I love how you're thinking it out loud. Yeah.
2: Air Force, Jeremy?
1: Uh, first swing, uh, you took out a driver – Probably hit it about 50 yards down the fair. A little bit of a, a, a oh, maybe a worm burner. So uh, that
2: is an accomplished drive for me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Game
1: that I am. So I'm happy with 50 yards down. <laughs> hey, the hole might be 52 yards, so I guess it, maybe it's fine. It's not uh, Air Force? It's not Air Force. Wow, I thought that was a uh, slam It doesn't dunk. have anything uh, that I know of directly connected to World War to 1 the mil- two, To the military. I'm not sure if there would be a a distant <sighs> connection it's something that's still a, a very much a, a canadian thing today um a something force we we use the acronym quite like far more regularly uh forward ac- acronym
2: so let's just let jeremy keep talking because he just keeps giving us hints so if yeah, we're quiet good. long enough he'll uh
1: first word in the first acronym <laughs> is an r <laughs> first letter in the well, so first I'm, letters.
3: Sorry, are we allowed to talk about our next shot? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Who's
3: who's stepping up? We're uh, starting I was thinking, to talk about which
2: iron we're going to pull from the bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: This is a sandwich. What do well, we? Well, I was here? like thinking police force, but it's like like okay. RCMP. But oh yeah, where, where is there's no F? No, there's no F, RCMP.
0: That's true. Uh, but Royal, there Canadian, ma- oh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Force. I must go is, what, is
1: this a? Is, is he stepping up and hit, like? Is this a practice shot or is he actually no. hitting the ball? What's uh, I, I hit it. the ball? I hit RCNPF. the ball. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police Force was established in yes. 1920. That is another birdie. What a game! What a game. Three birdies <laughs> in four holes. I, Outstanding.
2: In my wildest dreams, I don't have three birdies in four <laughs> holes. Just for the record. <laughs>
1: Any, uh, any, quick guesses? That. <laughs> any any quick guess? He's golfed with me. Any quick guesses to the tuition in Stanford University at 1920? Uh, 500 bucks. The way less, way less. Wow. It also started. No, never mind. I was going to say it started with an F, but apparently the last one started with an R. So <laughs> uh, this was the last year that it was free. So I thought that was interesting. Wow. Wow. uh, Stanford University was free Mm -hmm. up until 1920. So good thing you didn't choose that one. Well done, gentlemen. We are going to move on uh, to the main uh, kind of conversation part of our podcast. And so for the second half uh, of this, we're going to have Ed talk a little bit more about um, his reflection of Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor.
3: Hi Canada, my name is Kelvin and I teach Grade 12 World Issues at Guido de Brea Christian High in Hamilton, Ontario. After a presentation by Edgidaeo on the holistic meaning of poverty, my students were challenged to think differently about both causes and solutions to poverty, and how this can be used to address issues like the gender gap in Zambian education. This led to kicking off a travelling toilet campaign which used a toilet prop and marketing campaign to raise awareness and funds for Zambian schools. Students were blown away by the positive response of the school and community and found great satisfaction in the knowledge that their classwork not only received a grade, but helped Zambian students access quality Christ-centered education so they can pass on the effects of this education to improve their family, community, and country for generations to come. This year, you're invited to join the Made to Thrive campaign to support Edudeo's partners in Ethiopia. For more information, contact Laurie Koning by emailing schools at As we
1: heard off the top, Ed bosses people around and make sure they call him a boss at uh, the Society for Christian Education, for Christian schools in British Columbia. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about that region, uh, British Columbia?
3: I can. I uh, appreciated it on the website for the BC Teaching and Learning Council that they have specific land acknowledgements based on regions in BC, but they also have this kind of general acknowledgement, which I'm going to read Members of the BC Teaching and Learning Council are grateful to live, work, and be in relation with people from across many traditional and unceded territories covering all regions of British Columbia. They're honored to live on this land and committed to reconciliation, decolonization, and building relationships in our communities and schools. And I have to start a pretty significant historic settlement just made recently with the Treaty Treaty 8 peoples uh, up in Northern BC. The province and five First Nations recently reached a a settlement for um, $800 million and about 44,000 hectares of land. And I appreciated in the article that I read about it, where they talked about, um, they, they very actively kind of combated language around like mon- monetary windfall. Mm-hmm. And they said this, this is not a windfall. This is not free money. It's a bill that has gone unpaid for more than a hundred years by the government of Canada. If there's any stigma and prejudice to be leveled on anyone, it should be on the government of Canada and not on our treaty partners whose obligations we've disrespected for over 100 years. So, yeah, I I wonder how much that's making uh, waves in BC. I'm sure it's political and lots of debate, but uh, pretty historic, um, that kind of settlement just recently in the Treaty 8 lands. Uh, I'm also just uh, taken by mountains. Uh, My first taste, obviously, was when I went to work out in BC myself, and so BC is mountain territory, and I did a little bit of homework on it bc has the 15th highest mountain range in the world 15th lots in asia so like Mm -hmm. you know uh everest and the himalayas are are by far the highest um they they top out at around nine thousand meters um that's that's everest But Mount Fairweather is in the the St. Elias Mountain Range up in northern B.C., basically on the border of B.C. and Alaska. And it's about 4,600 meters, so about half the height of Everest, in case you're curious there. And uh, so I just thought I would take this little segment to celebrate big things. Okay, Mm -hmm. big things. (laughs) B.C. has some seriously big things. Some of the world's largest things. (laughs) <laughs> Guys. So for instance, the largest blue whale skeleton is in the Royal British Columbia Museum in Victoria. It is I, a big one. Before I go on, anybody want to guess on one or, one or more of the large the world's largest things that happen to find their home in BC? Fly fishing rod? Yeah, fly fishing rod. I didn't find that one in my research. Where's that one? is it
1: Burns Lake or Houston,
3: Houston, British Columbia, Houston, yep. British yeah, yeah, Columbia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. We'll add that one to the list. You both were going there. Obviously <laughs> I missed <laughs> an important one.
1: Yeah. Driving up North. You, you come across a, a few of those, uh, uh, kind of map. It's like a welcome to sign, but with a massive, a uh, fishing pole.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Ed, you should know that the the, the uh, something kind of similar i guess it's not a it's not a fishing pole but it's the world's largest hockey stick oh mm-hmm. duncan oh. nice work Darren. i was pausing really? just to see if anyone wow. can name the location of these things 40 <laughs> times the size of a regular stick 62 and a half meters long wow the tragedy was
2: i was a kid when they bought the stick and then Everyone expected when they were going to install it, they were going to install it like standing up. And no, uh, they did yeah. not. It was lame. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a Always major honest. disappointment in the um,
0: <laughs> teenage years of my life. No wonder I well, missed can- it on all my trips to Duncan. All right,
3: right. you can't see it from very far. away I remember. Yeah, that's right.
1: Great from space, though.
0: Yeah,
3: (laughs) nice. nice. All right, the world's largest totem pole is in Alert Bay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stands at a height of 41 meters, carved by Mungo Martin. This one's interesting. The world's tallest garden gnome was in trouble in 2019 but got rescued. It's on the Vancouver Island community of Nanoose Bay. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. World's largest cross country skis. Hundred mile, mile house. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. 12 yeah. Twelve meters high. And they are vertical, by the way. They more are vertical. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which makes more sense to put those ones actually <laughs> on <not> <laughs> <in> the ground.
3: <graph. laughs> True. Right. And they also include the poles at nine meters. Okay, so you, okay. they got the full set. So just in so case which way
1: are the poles going? Are the poles then going horizontal to the skis? No, or are they I besi- think they're beside it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> they're all I think so, yeah, 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 yeah. World's largest tin man, closer a to home. huge tin
2: man, like there's a big log man in Prince George. No, no, no. tin, oh,
3: yeah. tin Darren. Um, tin, that's log man, yeah. Well, is the log man Tin. I've never got close enough to the log (laughs) man to (laughs) knock him to find out if he's tin. This This is is like a tin soldier, I think. It's in New Westminster. Really? Really? Yeah. Hmm. Largest cuckoo clock? World's largest cuckoo clock? Kimberly? Oh. Oh. I've never been to Kimberly. Last but not least, world's largest wooden paddle. (laughs) World's largest wooden
0: paddle getting there else yeah Nels. Golden. Golden. golden golden ah yeah. i've
2: been through had to be a little Ooh. further north is uh, this one
3: laying down or uh yes it is actually yeah but know. it is gargantuan i will say okay. that it's massive
2: so that's not one i'm gonna be able to knock a tree down and beat it and say no Look, no now we have the
3: largest paddle no i think you're it's it's in the guinness Bo- book of world records it's legit so lastly one last little interesting fact can't can't hide this as well bc is about big rainfall oh yeah as a, uh well especially on the coast obviously uh, uh you know cam might disagree but uh do you know which canadian city gets the most rain city north like, vancouver north vancouver
1: all right i, I was I, gonna go with i was gonna go with prince rupert it Ooh. says abbotsford
2: What I know that um, Rupert gets the most cloud, but not the most rain.
3: Okay, fifteen hundred and thirty-eight millimeters of precipitation annually, one hundred and seventy-nine days of rain per year. That sounds
2: all I know is that Abbotsford gets six hundred millimeters of rain more than Richmond, an
3: hour away interesting that's that's interesting that is so uh but in terms of like the most rain per region it's actually uh henderson lake yes on vancouver island 7300 millimeters of rain annually that's 23 feet of rain (laughs) Rain. yeah So that's got to
1: interfere
0: with the golf game. I will not be joining the golf course (laughs) in Henderson Lake. I can tell you that (laughs) much. That is a membership. You don't want (laughs) to. That's true.
3: (laughs) And so, uh, given the, the, you know, the difficulty to uh, golf on the rainforest, uh, what brought you to BC? Yeah. Great question. Um, grew up in Edmonton, Alberta
0: and, um, went off to Calvin university way back when to finish my degree, uh, which is in philosophy, my BA is in philosophy. Uh, came to British Columbia, um, two reasons mostly, uh, mostly to study an MDiv, start an MDiv at Regent College on UBC campus. And also my, uh, my wife uh, grew up uh, in Richmond, just outside of Vancouver. So there was a, a family draw for her and uh, um, an academic draw for me. And once I realized that you could golf pretty much year round here, I've never left since. So, yeah. <laughs> Were you going to be a pastor, Ed? I was, yeah, until I saw the light and switched into education. <laughs> uh, but I was never, I talked to a lot of past, a lot of seminary students when I was at Calvin about this notion, you know, you're called, how do you know you're called? And it's interesting how some people are like, you know, from when I was six years old, I've just been convicted. I'm going to be a pastor. And others uh, said, oh, I think, I think this is where God's calling me. But I'm not a hundred percent sure. And, and I was in that latter category. Hmm. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, I remember my first week of student teaching. I, I came home to my wife and said, "This is absolutely the right decision. Schools are where I want to be," and uh, have never looked back. Yeah.
1: So, Ed, you 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 make way to to BC. Um, you're golfing. Um, uh, how do you uh, come to be the executive director of uh, the Society for Christian Schools in, in British Columbia?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, so, I mean, I I. Um, Loved teaching. It was it was just I was super passionate about it. Taught grade seven uh, early on in my career. Uh, doors into administration opened quite early for me uh, at Vancouver Christian School, and then later on at uh, at Abbotsford Christian. And um, I just sort of moved from uh, you know one administrative position uh, to the next throughout my career, from a vice principal to a principal. And um, have always deeply, deeply appreciated the Society of Christian Schools and what they provide to schools, how they, how they, they bring us together in community, they advocate for us, they provide uh, excellent service for us. And uh, so when the, that position opened, uh, it was intriguing to me. And uh, so I've gone I've completing nine years uh, at the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, and uh, it's just been a, it's been a very wonderful journey. I've been super, super blessed.
1: And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about SESBC.
0: Yeah, so it's a service organization. Uh, when we have about 35 member schools around the province. And uh, we, um, our pillars are service, communi- community, advocacy, and vision. So we really try to provide a lot of service for schools. Our motto is we try to do collectively what schools can't or shouldn't do on their own. So we really bring people together to develop best practice, develop policy templates. Uh, We bring um, groups of people together, whether they be middle school learning leaders or principals of large schools or finance and fundraising folk. And we run conferences and we have discussion groups. Um, So, yeah, we just find ways to support. We do some advocacy work. And we really try to keep the vision sharp for Christian schools. Uh, if there's no vision, uh, the people perish, Proverb says. And yeah. uh, I think it's really important for us just to try to keep a compelling vision for Christian education in front of our uh, in front of our schools. I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that as we as we go through this podcast.
1: At um, every episode, um, even the boss ones, we ask our guests to maybe think about something that they would like to spend some time talking to us about. And um, I know in, in talking to, uh, knowing that you're going into retirement, um, you're in a period of reflection. And uh, so you've, you've been at a time of reflecting back on Christian education. And uh, as you've been doing that, you've I've kind of used the structure, uh, I think Colossians Forum uses the praise, lament, hope structure. Uh, and so, I'd like to in- invite you maybe to talk a little bit about uh, this idea of praise um, and reflecting on Christian education.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in my reflections, I've sort of switched that word praise to celebrate. Like, what do I celebrate about Christian education? And, um uh, there is much to celebrate about Christian education. I, I could go on and on, but let me highlight, uh, I think, a couple of celebrations that um, are particularly striking for me uh, as I reflect on my you know, 37 years in Christian education. Um, one, I would say, is our joyful increase in diversity. Uh, when I started in Christian education 37 years ago, uh, the schools I worked with weren't very diverse places. Uh, ethnically, denominationally, uh, and certainly in terms of how students learn, learning diverse learners, learners with exceptional and diverse abilities. And um, I think we have grown uh, wonderfully in that area uh, over the past 30 years, especially the schools I work with here in British Columbia. Many of them are, are very, very diverse. They're much more a reflection uh, ethnically of the communities they find themselves in, uh, many of them are multi-denominational schools that have, uh, you know, maybe they were started by folks from a particular denomination or background, but they've really grown to become uh, beautiful examples of ecumenism uh, in uh, in the Christian world. And um, yeah, they've embraced learners with different learning styles. So mm. I I celebrate uh, I really celebrate that that progress for sure. Mm. Cool.
3: And do you think that's like a, a push and a pull? Do you think that there, and maybe feel free just to talk specifically about the BC aspect of that, because you're most familiar with it, I'm sure. But like, in BC, was the word just getting out? That these schools are good schools, and so there was a push in, or do you think there was a change in heart in terms of a desire to become more diverse, diverse, and therefore uh, more of a desire to pull diversity in? How do you frame yeah, that? Yeah,
0: that's that's a great question. I think I think it's it's both and not either or, hmm. uh, for sure. Um, uh, I mean, communities. Some of our communities in British Columbia have changed uh, ethnically over the past four decades, uh, quite profoundly hmm. um, you know a certain group of people uh, don't live in certain communities anymore and other groups of people have moved in and hmm. um, I I'm thankful that the new people who have moved in have embraced uh, Christian uh, Christian education uh, in really really beautiful ways um, I think around the diverse learners it was it was almost um, you know it was a bit of an awakening I think for for Christian school saying man we're you know we can take three students from, uh, the Smith family, but we can't take their special needs student. And this, I think that didn't sit well, mm. uh, with our leaders and our school community. So I think we found ways to make that work. Um, and, um, we needed to, that was, that was, that was not a, that was not a good thing that we mm. were, you know, um, in some ways, maybe Christian school should have been started for the most vulnerable students first. And then mm. we maybe should have added others. If I really think about it, honestly, um, but I celebrate the progress we've made, um, here in British Columbia. I think uh, many of the SCSBC schools are renowned in their communities for their special needs programs, um, for how they serve. Um, and provincially across the province, uh, interestingly enough, independent schools in British Columbia, uh, serve a higher percentage of special needs students than the public school system does right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not every school, but that's across the, uh, the yeah. sector. So, yeah. Cool. Can I what share you, one more celebration? Yeah, What
3: else do you celebrate? It.
0: Yeah, so let me just focus on one more. I think um, I celebrate the demand, the increasing demand for Christian education. Um, where our schools have grown, and as we've grown, we've uh, we faced pressure to acquire land and build. And um, this is uh, something that I I really um, I really do celebrate. Uh, when I went to Christian schools, you know, back in the day, Edmonton Christian. It was a pretty functional building. It was a concrete block building with a hallway and classroom shooting off the side. It wasn't very creative, wasn't very imaginative. And uh, today I see multiple examples of Christian schools that are designed not primarily to be functional or cost effective, but they're designed primarily to facilitate 21st century learning. And they're designed to be aesthetically pleasing. So they honor god in their use of color line and space and i celebrate that i think that's uh, christian schools should be doing that we shouldn't just be functional and cost effective so um, i really celebrate some of the amazing learning spaces uh, amazing and beautiful god honoring Mm. learning spaces that are being built by christian schools nowadays
1: and i I haven't seen uh, all the schools in your region, but uh, Abbotsford Christian comes to mind recently. I know they did a big Reno, and I, I got a chance to walk through, and uh, just really fits that description. I, I just remember walking through and going, so many beautiful things aligning together in terms of theme and color and use. Yes, and, uh, very
0: inspiring. Yeah, uh, for stuff. sure. That that's one uh, great d- example. I could I could rattle off four or five more. We've we've got schools that have done some very thoughtful. Uh, work in that area so that's a major major celebration uh, for me
1: and uh, we know that um, we can't uh, you know even when you're bringing up some of those celebrates um, I'm sure there's those journeys of getting to those spots are filled with tough decisions and hard conversations Uh, um, when you look back what are what are some things you would lament uh, about your as you reflect back on Christian education
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, I I think we don't lament enough, actually. I'm really thankful to the Colossian Forum for uh, helping me understand the importance of lament. Um, And uh, I think it is important for us to take stock honestly and uh, to lament well and probably to lament regularly. So uh, some of these laments are tied into uh, my celebrations as well. So, as much as I celebrate the growth in Christian schools and building multi-million dollar buildings that are really beautiful which means we're getting donations and and you know uh, other things um one of my laments i think is that we maybe sometimes measure our success by those metrics so we use things like are we growing are our donors donating money to us uh, are our test scores uh sound and um I I would like, yeah, I just lament that uh, we have thought we sort of defaulted to those metrics uh, implicitly as measures of success and maybe not thought enough about um, trying to measure our faithfulness. Uh, I wonder if it's more important for us to measure faithfulness than enrollment growth or donation income, for example. So that is that's a lament that I have when I think about Christian education.
2: Do you have ideas about how to measure faithfulness?
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's hard work. Um, uh, it's it's hard work. And I, th- I, th- I believe we could come up with better metrics if we put our heads to it. Mm. Um, so one, one measure of faithfulness, I think, would be uh, how do we treat vulnerable population? One metric maybe of faithfulness would be... Um, how do we make space for people that actually can't afford the tuition mm-hmm. to make sure that we're not becoming schools for the rich? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think if we, if we put our minds together, I think we could come up with some metrics that would be, um, gospel infused ways of thinking about mm-hmm. the business of Christian education.
3: Mm-hmm. I have a quick thought there. there one, a few school high schools in Ontario do a graduate portfolio presentation as an exit interview. And it's not quantitative data, but it's you. You mm-hmm. could easily create qualitative data coming out of what the students are sharing, not only about their work that they've produced at the school, but their character formation yep. and their hopes moving forward. Mm-hmm. Love that. And we we certainly the school uh, and the schools I have in mind here. Um, they are tracking what the graduates are saying to take back into professional conversations about how, what they're doing well and where they need to improve. To me, that's mission, you know, measurement. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I also, I also know there, are, there
1: are, in the last few years, and organizations that you've been connected with and networked with that have started to try to produce even surveys yeah. or, tr- right. Asking different, like practicing faith For survey sure. or the flourishing schools. Yeah. So, like, like, I don't know if there's other ones that we want to shout out, but that are really trying to say Mm. like, what are the questions we want to ask, right?
0: Yeah, I think they are trying. I think they are trying to get at that. Um, I, um, I would want to see us pushing harder, uh, leaning harder into this question of success versus faithfulness. Um, Yeah.
3: Cool. What else do you lament, Ed?
0: Yeah. Another lament, I think is just how, um, how we are, so mired and i include myself in in the royal we here uh we are so mired in the western story of prosperity and progress Mm. and um it's hard for us to even realize how much that impacts us and it's hard for us to find ways to get outside of of that story Mm. um i'll give you an example in 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 my years of teaching uh Uh, Probably the most pushback I ever got from parents was on um, really a spur of the moment conversation that happened in my grade seven class where we ended up talking about what kind of car would Jesus drive if he was here today? It was a fascinating conversation Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. my grade seven class, really a vibrant conversation. One that Mm -hmm. I felt was bringing a lot of, of the gospel story to bear, challenging the narrative of the Western story. Uh, but I had m- several parents call me and complain about that because uh, their kids went home and basically said, dad, how come you drive a Mercedes? And would, would Jesus drive a Mercedes? And the moms and dads didn't appreciate their kids coming home with that question. That, that, was, that was a bridge too far for them. They're, they're like, this is not why we're sending our kid to a Christian school so that they'll come home and challenge our lifestyle choices. Yeah. And um, I lament that. Yeah. I, I, I lament that those questions that you are
1: uh, wondering and if schools focused on some of those would also then change some of those discussions, right? If that was the, the basis of me uh, enrolling my child in, in a school um, and is, is uh, h- hope. Yeah. Um, where, where are you at in terms of looking forward now or what do you hope for as you, um, move to your next yeah, kind of stage.
0: of for prayer. sure. Yeah, I have a lot of hopes actually for Christian education and because there's a lot of good people and a lot of very dedicated, thoughtful people working in the field. Um, these are contentious times. I think uh, leadership and teaching uh, in Christian schools might be harder than it's, it's been in a long time. Um, but I, I do have hope that we can find ways to move out of fear and into the hard and fulfilling uh, places of courage and boldness. Um, I do have hope that we can, we can move in that direction. Um, I have hope that we can resist uh, the allure of a very simplistic, uh, maybe a triumphalist kind of certainty, and that we can walk the road less traveled, uh, a road of nuance, uh, a road of mindfulness, a road of seeking deep understanding and large hearted wisdom. Uh, And I think uh, I I have confidence that, that we and hope that we can walk that road. I hope we can resist the mounting pressure to adopt a fight or a flight posture. Uh, I think there's, we're facing increasing pressure to move to those extremes. and, And I, I hope that we can find a way to be discerning and to, Understand what an authentic, faithful Christian posture is in this cultural moment. Uh, that, to me, is a, is a very important call for Christian education. I hope that we can continue to move from exclusion to embrace. Uh, I talked about our growth in, in diversity. And, and again, I think when I reflect on the Old Testament laws, uh, they are striking uh, largely, they're, they're different from the laws of the other countries, largely in terms of how they care for the vulnerable and the marginalized, the widows, the orphan, the stranger, the foreigner. That's what was to set the nation of Israel apart, how they cared for the vulnerable. And, uh, and then, I, you know, in the New Testament, I think, you know, the Pharisees had this very smug notion of, of who was in and who was out. And I see Jesus challenging that all over the place. Uh, Zacchaeus, the adulterous woman, uh, blind Bartimaeus, lepers, sinners, the Samaritan woman. Jesus systematically tore down the barriers for those people and just said, no, 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 you're not, you're not out. You're you're in, actually. Mm -hmm. Jesus saw people first and foremost as image bearers. So, there was uh, not us and them, there was just us. And I think he displayed that so beautifully. So I, I really hope that we can uh, we can move in, in that direction. And I think my my last sort of deep deep hope for Christian education is we can we can resist the Western story, uh, which is just so insidious in terms of its insistence on individualism, consumerism, and narcissism. And I hope we can find a way to live into uh, what I would phrase uh, a sacredly subversive. Gospel story, and um, that's a deep hope that I have for Christian education. I think if we can do those things, we'll found will be found to be faithful by any metrics that we come up with.
2: So that silence was the mic drop.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for that, buddy. It's um, it's inspirational. I you know, and I do agree. We've got some smart people out there because I I keep being pulled to want to interrupt you and say, but how about that? Like, how would we do that? How would we do that? Um, But I think you hit the nail on the button with, um, it's not for any one individual of us to do. It's the Mm. interdependence of a Christian community and a reliance on each other rather than self that allows us to be courageous in that space. So Mm. I just, uh, I just appreciate that.
0: Mm.
1: And in your uh, deep hope there, you uh, gave a description of a type of person or people. Uh, I don't know if you want to just if you could reread that uh, subversive
0: Yeah, sac- sacredly subversive gospel story. a sacredly subversive gospel story.
1: I just wondered if you could unpack that just just a little bit for us.
0: Well, again, I I go back to the biblical narrative, and uh, I think God wanted uh, Israel to be different. He didn't want Israel to be uh, like the nations around and and gave them a set of laws that would shape them into – you know, they they would be head scratchers for uh, the nations around them. What when someone's in debt, you forgive it every fifty years? Are you kidding me? Like you give people their land back after their what? What kind of a what kind of an economy is that? Um, you know, there's radical radical notions, uh, social, economic, uh, political notions. Uh, that, are, that run through the gospel narrative. And I think we've, uh, we, we too often just quietly set those aside because we're so steeped in the Western story. Um, Jesus as well. I mean, Jesus was, uh, um, was viewed by, by many as a revolutionary. When, when they were saying Hosanna on the way into Jerusalem in the Passion Week, uh, many of those people were hoping Jesus was going to overthrow uh, mm-hmm. the government of the day. Uh, there was a there was you know a link to Judas Maccabeus and and some of the revolutionary uh, activity that had happened in Jewish history and um, I think we've lost that edge we've lost that subversive edge we've made uh, the gospel at times we've made the gospel very palatable very safe and we've really made it fit with our comfortable Western prosperity story actually mm-hmm. um, sometimes I th- I think in too many ways and I'm complicit I am. I am 100% complicit uh, in that. Ed,
1: uh, as Darren had said, uh, mic drop. I, I was wondering if Darren was just going to steal your hopes for his blessing at the end of the <laughs> uh, a podcast today. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about, Ed, that we maybe didn't, didn't get a chance to ask you about before we transition to our, our celebration of learning?
0: Uh, I think I maybe I'll just mention that this uh, you know, this is a, um, one way to share my my celebrations, laments, and hopes. Um, I've also uh, uh, written my final article in an SCSBC publication called The Link, uh, which is coming out uh, in just a few weeks. It should be out in in May of 2023. And uh, it will have sort of an extended version. If this has piqued anyone's interest, uh, that document is publicly available on the website at scsbc.ca. You can find our magazine there called The Link. And uh, I, I really have a chance, I think, to expand on some of these notions in that article.
3: We'll, we'll put a link in our show, no- our show notes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Yeah, great. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, well, let's transition now to that celebration of learning. To be inducted into the esteemed every square centimeter celebration of learners gallery, you need to have joined us on the podcast, share a bit of your journey and have at least one person write nice things about you. And Darren, I don't know about you, but when, when I had Gail on here, I don't know, did it feel coerced or did it feel like, you know, this was a natural outpouring of people's love?
2: I think that the difference here is, uh, Ed's outgoing. Whereas when, um, You, um, you know, it was a different dynamic for you, right? Uh, But uh, yes, we've got some some thoughts here. So let me share that. What do you say about the boss? And I have to be careful here because our new boss is almost as avid a podcast listener as this boss. (laughs) But I think it's important to realize that leadership is hard, yet it doesn't usually show on Ed. He leads with grace, humility, and care. He expects a lot out of his people yet finds a way to assume that the good work is going to get done without unneeded input from him. He nurtures his team with breakfast meetings that inspire and empower. He's there when you need him, but maybe even more gifted is his ability to not be there when he would be getting in the way. He has courage to say and do the hard things and to walk where other Christians struggle to walk. It is unshamedly insufferable as a grandparent. It takes everything in his power not to move every conversation into a conversation about Georgia. If he talks sustainability, eventually the conversation flows to schools lasting until Georgia graduates and beyond. (laughs) If he wonders about alignment to faith and learning, he questions whether Christian schools will be good enough for his granddaughter, Georgia. Ed, you are a testament to Christianity, to leadership. And as a Papa, you lead your team with humor, dignity, and respect. We each feel valued and loved by you as an avid golfer. You have inspired me to do more coursework with you in the future. Mm-hmm. Ed, thank you for all you've invested in us as your team and in cre- Christian education as a whole. You are loved and you will be missed. The team at SCSBC.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, just deepest, deepest. Thank you. I'm very, very humbled by that. Um, yeah um that's wonderful thanks darren thanks mm-hmm. team you guys are an amazing group of people and i've been like i said earlier i have been beyond blessed to serve in this capacity in this organization uh, it's been a really really amazing uh role for nine years
1: and uh i sit on a board with you for christian schools canada and have had the chance to uh sit in on on uh, talks that you've done and uh just uh uh, connect with you on multiple levels and so just also from the prairies we mm-hmm. want to just celebrate your work in christian education across canada um your work in SCSBC, the work that you've done with pcce and uh, how you have um some of your work has has flowed into alberta and, and the prairies and uh, your love for christian education uh your celebration laments and hopes are are true representations of who you are, and and also what you've done for Christian education. So, uh, just thank you as well from from the Prairies.
0: Thank you very much.
3: Totally. Likewise, Ed. Mm. It's been amazing. Um, just really grateful for the times we've had to interact personally, but also professionally, and uh, mm. hoping for more ways to keep collaborating uh, over here in Eastern Canada. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Justin.
1: Ed, uh, you're in a transition time. I usually ask right now if there's any way. Um, people can connect with you. Like, you know, how could they do that? Now, I'm not sure when you go into retirement if you want to cut those lines of communication <laughs> off, but g- give us an email that maybe, you know, people might want to email you and ask some more questions, or or an email that you may be like, well, this one will be closed in two months. And uh,
0: <laughs> so anyway, is there a way people can contact you? Uh, for sure. I'll give you my personal email address. It's uh, edwardnewt at gmail.com. Edward edward noot at gmail.com
2: or you could show up at first light um, (laughs) on the first hole at sandpiper and harrison mills that would be the other way that you can get uh you can get a hold of him (laughs)
1: that's more certain. <laughs> my email my personal email still has hotmail in it so you've you've gone past me in the <laughs> tech world uh nice
0: work thank you jeremy uh, i feel great yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> listeners we would love your involvement in our podcast so we'd love emails as well every square centimeter at gmail.com send us your feedback tell us about maybe an educator maybe your boss that we should celebrate uh, share a fun teacher story maybe it's a lame a lame segment story we'd love to hear that uh, we're also always prepping for our next ca- ca- campfire conversation, so uh, send us some rapid fire questions as well. But before we go, uh, Ed, we want to thank you for hosting our band today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Ed that uh, you listen to the podcast. So you're aware that we we kind of throw a random question at the end here. So my first question is: First, um, what do you guys think a, a band like an animal, a group of animals from BC that form a band? Any any first guesses? I the golf game here. You got three guesses uh, again.
0: I'm 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 gonna go with moles because okay. I'm I'm in mole hunting season. They're 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 destroying <laughs> cool. my lawn and uh yeah, I'm going with yeah. moles.
1: Yeah, mine I'm in that same season
3: over here. So <laughs> uh moles, Justin, Darren? Justin well, Darren's gonna probably get it right anyway. So I'll jump in first. Uh I really like the band band of horses. Oh. And I don't okay. know if they mean band as in a collective noun. Or if they are like, Mm -hmm. we are a band of horses. Like, I I don't know how they're using it, but I'm going band of horses. Okay.
2: What I like about that is BC does have wild horse herds. So they might be a band of uh, or bands, as the case may be. And I feel like we've done raccoons already. Have we done raccoons already? Because there is definitely raccoons everywhere. And I don't remember what raccoons were. And I know this is wrong, but I'm also consistently irritated by the seagulls. And they definitely behave like a band. Right. So I know mm-hmm. theoretically they're probably a flock, but I'm going to go seagulls
1: anyway. An, an upper elementary band maybe is, is, is what <laughs> you're referring to. Uh, so, yeah, no one, no one got this one. Uh, it is Mountain Goat, a oh. band of mountain goats.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Yeah. And you know the, the goat, right? G-O-A-T, the, the athlete argument, who's the mm-hmm. greatest of all time, the goat. Uh, I thought that was very fitting, Ed. Hey, the goat. Is, I don't know. It's better than Ooh. the boss, big boss, the goat, big bo- the, yeah. goat. the uh, old goat. My, okay. The old goat. Yes. <laughs> <The> old <guts. laughs> we're making some changes at the office next week. Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> How's the old uh, goat doing? Ah, nice. That's, that's going to go well.
1: My question, uh, my random question that I'm going to throw at you is, is if you were in a band, what would you be in the band? Who would you be? What, what, what would you play a certain instrument? Would you be the lead singer? Who would you represent in the band? Darren, I'm going to you because you're Mr. Music Appreciation. So I'm curious.
2: <laughs> um, I would move between the drum kit yep. and the bass. Okay. I would move wow. between the yeah multifaceted. I would sing some songs wow. as well. <laughs>
3: write some songs. Okay, I would be wow. all in if I as a band member. What he means is he'd be one of those one man bands where he's yeah. got strings going <laughs> everywhere.
1: What was that? Who They're always man? at the carnival. Uh, the Hallmark Shlama catalog.
3: You're going to be a one man uh, uh Wow. He even knows how much it costs to be the one man. <laughs> Put
1: Darren in one of those things.
3: All right, Justin. What are you? Who are you going to be in a band? Well, I was in a bluegrass band, as I think maybe wow. I've mentioned, and I played the bass. So okay. why don't I pick up the bass for the bluegrass band? Nice. Upright bass? No, I was never that good. I, they kicked me out because they found an upright bass guy. And, <laughs> no, that's not exactly true. But they, like did get, other... they did get better when I retired and oh, the new guy played the upright bass. It was way more legit. Sounds like a campfire airing of grievances.
1: Uh, <laughs> Ed, who are uh, you going wow. to
0: Two of my favorite bands. There seems to be a bit of a bluegrass theme going here. Oh, uh, are nice. the uh, the Avet Brothers and uh, okay. Mandolin Orange? Uh, love uh, who I think have just changed their name to Watch House. But, Watch House, yeah, yeah. Love both of them. Uh, and I am intrigued by the banjo. Actually, I think mm, it's okay. an underestimated mm-hmm. instrument, okay. and uh, it doesn't seem to have a lot of strings. So I actually have some hope that I might get <laughs> to play, figure out how to play one one day. I, I would not sing though, for sure. There is an
1: image of you sitting on the porch. The old goat playing his banjo on the porch. I think was a nice little image uh, for retirement. Uh, uh, My, my sister has told me repeatedly not to sing on this. So I will definitely say I'd be lead singer. I was in the choir. Uh, I was uh, definitely did the choir tour, played the saxophone, but I don't think I'd be appreciated as much as lead singer. So I'm going with uh, a lead singer.
2: I've got a clarifying Uh, question about the lead singer. Like, with an instrument, are you just like oh no Axel Rose, you're out there singing, not playing. Yeah. You're just No, I
1: can't sing and clap on at the same time. So I can't <laughs> imagine playing an instrument and singing at the same time. Darren <laughs> Lean singer, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Darren, uh I think I think as we're recording, you've adjusted your blessing. So uh, would you love I'd love for you to share it with us?
2: I have adjusted just just slightly. You'll pick it up. Nourished by the shepherd's abundant love, go forward to walk in the path of the sacredly subversive gospel story. Love one another in truth and action. May God's abundant blessings abide in you forever. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Stay encouraged, bosses.
3: We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.